Hey, ring that bell. Let's start the show. Welcome to Wrestling Chat with Friends, the Tuesday show. I'm EJ the Collector. Thanks for joining us. You can find us on Facebook, on Wrestling Chat with Friends, on Twitter at WCWF, and on YouTube at Wrestling Chat with Friends. Give us a follow. Tell a friend. Um, as I mentioned last week, the Thursday show is going to skew more AEW going forward. And we've started this Tuesday show where we're going to talk about all things WWE. I'm joined, like I was last week, with my boy Ali and a new guest who's going to become one of the regular friends on the show, the minimum male model, TG. Ali and Tom, how y'all doing tonight? Great, great. So excited. Fantastic. Appreciate you both coming on. Before we jump in, I want to, last week when Cheats and I kicked it off and did this first show, a Facebook uh, user wrote in a question for us. So I want to actually address that first, then we'll get that out of the way. Um, if you're listening out there and you have a question for us or a comment, drop it in the group Facebook page. If you're a friend of mine on Facebook, drop it on my comment page and we'll get to it. Uh, certainly on Twitter, definitely leave us comments, likes, shares, and retweets. So the question that um, Facebook user Andy, who wrote in last week, he wrote in, what are y'all's favorite eras of pro wrestling? So let's get let's get that out of the way. Think about it for a sec, uh, Tom. What's your favorite era of pro wrestling? You know, it's it's an interesting question because I, my relationship with pro wrestling is somewhat unusual. I did not really start watching pro wrestling until I was in college, um, which was the height of the Attitude Era. I when I, growing up as a kid, I had other stuff that I was into and you know playing sports or, or whatever, and I just never really got into it. Um, in hindsight. I'm not the biggest fan of the Attitude Era. Look, going back and, and watching it, like, stars, unbelievable stars, but, like, the storylines and sort of the presentation seems very, I don't know, juvenile, which I guess was the, the goal, was to entice those adolescent viewers back then. Yeah, you know we're talking um, about pro wrestling, right? So juvenile kind of comes part and parcel with that. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, even by pro wrestling standards, it was like, oh, okay, we're doing that. Weirdly, I think my favorite era of pro wrestling is sometime around like post WCW, post sort of ruthless aggression, like right after that until about, I don't know, maybe five or so years ago when things started to creatively, I think, get a little weak for WWE. Like that era of WWE was like, I loved Edge. I liked Cena. I, I I liked a lot of what they were doing during that. I, I'm a unashamed uh, Miz fan. Um, and are we, that are whole, we talking like before Shield? So like 2000. It's, it's hard for me to like place sometimes, especially since the pandemic. Like the years. Shield, the Shield was like 2013. I would say I would say they were in there. Uh, okay. the, the Punk stuff was in that um, right. range as well. But that was kind of like late. Like 06, 07 ish, maybe 08 through maybe like 2015 ish. Okay. So in that era when Brock had left the company, was doing UFC, but maybe just came back toward the tail end of yeah, that. Yeah. And, and even okay. like when he came back, like I think that that to me was a part of it. So there really isn't like, I'm, I'm, this is a bad answer to the question because I'm not giving you like a defined, like established this era, but that was when I was most entertained, I think, consistently week to week. Gotcha. Uh, Tom and I are, and I think Ali too, we're all kind of roughly the same age. So we've had the same amount of time to be exposed to it. Ali, what about you? 
Yeah, I'm going to go with the easy answer is the attitude area because that's when I started watching it. I remember sitting in middle school and high school and just always parking myself in front of the couch with my homework. And just I remember even at that time thinking these commercial breaks are long enough for me to easily get my homework done. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, huge rock fan, but also like I loved so many of the wrestlers back then that now you look back like I even as a kid, I thought Val Venus's gimmick was hilarious. Um, and yeah, just really, I remember watching when Edge and Christian were still in the brood with um, Gangrel, and I remember thinking that entrance was so cool. And yeah, definitely, but at, similar to what some folks have said, at, as I got older, one of my favorite matches of WWE is actually CM Punk and Brock Lesnar. Mm. I forget if that was a WrestleMania match or not, you know, where Paul Heyman kind of interfered. Yeah. And I love that match. And definitely in terms of wrestling, it's one of the better WWE matches. But I didn't really watch wrestling during that time. I It wasn't until recently when Punk okay. came back that I went back and started watching some old Punk matches. And I was like, just I didn't even see all the Raws leading up to that. But just the storytelling in that match was top quality. So I think you might be onto something in terms of storytelling. It's possible that the era area wasn't the best. But that is what I enjoyed the most and think most fondly about. Gotcha. Gotcha. For me... I was a super fan in like the late nineties during the Monday night wars. And someone just commented that if you missed the Monday night wars, you missed wrestling. That's I think there's some truth to that, that period of 97, 98, 96, 97, 98, the NWO, that was right up there where I was really paying attention in the years that followed when I, you know, certainly when I got married and started, you know, having uh, more work responsibilities, I sort of tuned out to the last couple of years. When I got Twitter, I started paying attention to what was going on, but I still wasn't watching Raw or SmackDown actively. For me, when I was 10, 11 years old, starting around not late 90, late 85, early 86, when I was like 11, 12 years old, NWA wrestling on TBS, the Superstation, 7.05, 6.05 for an hour before the Braves game, Tony Schiavone, David Crockett in that studio in the industrial area of Atlanta. Uh, you know, Dusty Rhodes, the Four Horsemen, Magnum TA, Nikita Koloff. It was when I started going to shows at the Richmond Coliseum, um, kind of at the end of the territory days where NWA came once a month, you know, to to Richmond Coliseum. And, you know, dad would surprise us on Hanukkah with, with tickets and say, let's get in the car, let's go. So like, you know, that Magnum TA, Nikita Koloff feud, uh, Dusty and the Horsemen, that was the pinnacle, 86 really. Uh, and then when I kind of, even by by 87, like I measure for me, the high watermark for my wrestling enjoyment was Starcade 86, which was mm -hmm. the Road Warriors and the Midnight Express and the Scaffold match, Ric Flair and Nikita Koloff for the world title. Uh, the first time we ever saw like Big Bubba Rogers, Ray Trailer, Big Boss Man, who was Jim Cornette's heavy. So for me, that that goes down as you know when I and all I'll just be fairly honest. That comment came from Andy. Andy's my brother. He asked the question. So I, I connected those dots. There you go. So Andy and I, uh, a quick quick story. Then we'll then we'll get into it. Um, NWA came to the Richmond Coliseum the night after Starcade in '86. Um, so the night after the Skywalker's match and the one memory that really stays with me is we were on the floor. We were kind of looking toward the entrance to see if we could look backstage, obviously, because the big thing then was to 
you know, touch a wrestler on the shoulder as he as he walked by. Um, Dennis Conjuring of the Midnight Express, the original Midnight Express, was standing just outside the curtain watching whatever match was going on, probably Jimmy Valiant versus Manny Fernandez. Uh, and he had a big Band-Aid on his uh, forehead from the, the match the night prior. And he and I kind of locked eyes, and I didn't realize, I didn't know what to do because he was looking at me. So I just kind of went, gave him one of these, and he just sort of looked at me and scoffed off. And so, yeah, so that, that was my pinnacle. Um, all right, well, let's get into what's going on right now in WWE. I want to, we're going to quick cover SmackDown and Raw from last night, but I'm going to just drop it right here and we're going to get right into it. White Rabbit. It's all that's been talked about in the last couple of days. Tom almost looks like he doesn't know what we're talking about. I do know what you're talking okay, about. Good, good, good. Okay. Yeah, the house shows with possibly Bray Wyatt. Yeah, so I think starting around SmackDown, uh, it was reported on social media. This has all been done on social media. Nothing's been shown on television until a little thing last night, which we'll talk about. But it was reported over the weekend that during commercial breaks of SmackDown and then through the two live events over the weekend, the there was the vocal soundtrack of Jefferson Airplane's White Rabbit just Grace Slick's lyrics, which is a very dark and disturbing song if you hear it without music, even with music it's disturbing, but it's a great song. And the fans instantly lit their phones and there was a little bit of a Firefly Funhouse feel to it. But they did it once, did it twice. And then last night on Raw, there was a QR code that uh, if, you've, if you've looked on social media or used the QR code, there is a hangman, a bunch of letters, there's a white rabbit. Um, the song "White Rabbit" just is, you know, the big line is, you know, feed your head. Who killed the world was the tease line. Everyone knows what's. Everyone who's watching the show knows have seen it. Let's get into it. What do you think it is? What's going on? Do you like this? Um, Ali, start it off. Give me, give me two minutes on your take on uh, on the white rabbit. Yeah. So I saw some chatter about this online and watched some YouTube videos of it. And my initial thought when I watched it was. This has to be like a a carrion, not carrion, not killer, carrion cross kind of thing. Because to me, that's what it felt like. You know, he comes out with sort of the black and white thing. But I definitely, you know, especially when you see all the phones up, that definitely is very Bray Whiteish. But I also think that the people have constantly been be like, oh my god, is this Bray White? Is this Bray White? About five different things, and um, I don't know. I feel like Bray might have been burned too too much. <laughs> Literally, they burned his character. Um, I don't know. I think he needs. A, I think he needs a break. But if he can bring him back, sure, he's fun. He's interesting, and I think Hunter would do. You know, would probably treat him right. So you think it's? Do you, if you had to put money down right now, Bray Carrion or other? What are you oh, saying? I think it's probably a Carrion or something else. Carrion, something else. Okay, so you're not fully on board the Bray train. Yeah, I, to me, I, to Carrion is the spooky character. You know, okay. Going on. So well, that's what I think of. Let me just give you a little uh, devil's advocate here. Um, a lot of the chat that's been talked about the weekend was, Carrion's been introduced already. He's almost like mid feud. What is that? A, what kind of st strategy is that to almost like tease a repackage of him? Yeah, I, I don't know that we're teasing a repackaging. What I thought is it reminds me of sometimes when you have spooky characters, the lights go out and some shenanigan happens, and they're mm -hmm. teasing something like that happening, so that it would be unpredictable, right? So that at a key point, maybe somebody he's feuding with, the lights go off and he gets beat up or something. I, I didn't put a whole lot of thought into it. So, you know, not saying that that's like 
the smartest theory, but that's what it felt like to me. Well, I wish I was you because over the weekend, I kind of, I was breaking into it like the Zapruder film. I, it is like reaching JFK or it was like who killed Paul McCartney. Uh, it's clever though. It, I think it's really clever from them and it's fun, right? Like it's a lot of fun. So kudos it's to WWE for doing Absolutely. It's super clever because this has all so far been like 96 hours and all through social media. They're not doing any promotion of it. They did tease something last night with a QR code. Um, did and I'll, Tom, I'm going to let you you get after it. But did also last night in the QR code they mentioned 9:23 as a possible date or a possible time. Um, I'll say, and then when I watched it back today at 9:23 p.m., someone walked across behind the stage to the to the crowd, holding up the same QR code that was shown behind Theory. Those are the two times it was mentioned last night. And both times the QR code played the same message that WWE has now, I think, posted on their website. So it's sort of out there. Tom, the White Rabbit, I'm sure you've ingested a little bit of information from what we've talked about and from the weekend. What do you think? I've tried to, I'll preface this by saying I've tried to avoid doing any kind of deep dive on it because I, I like being surprised still when I'm watching TV. And I, I, people coming back or debuts or things like that surprises. I'd rather just see it play out in real time, but I, I have seen some of what you're talking about. So I knew what you're referring to. I think the most likely scenario, the Occam's razor scenario is that it is Bray Wyatt. But as Ali said, it's like, uh, we've had a few like, Oh, Bray's coming back here. He, you know, he's going to, he's going to debut in AEW. He's going to debut, but he's going to come back to WWE and it's, it hasn't materialized yet. I think that Friday we will get something um, for the reason that you just said, Elliot. I don't know if it'll be a full-on reveal or it'll just be the first time we'll see a tease on television uh, more explicit than what we've already seen. I think it's probably the latter. I think the primary reason that we haven't, or I should say one of the reasons why we haven't seen this on TV yet and why they're doing a social media campaign is because white rabbit is real expensive and they don't, if they put that on TV, they have to pay a lot of money for it, much less a bunch of times. So I think that's one of the things driving the sort of viral nature of it. And also I think that just like we saw with, so right now on WWE, there are kind of two parallel tracks with how they are presenting different characters. One track is sort of the the main line, you know, of course, guys like Roman Reigns or Sami Zayn or whoever else who have who are established and have been on TV for a while. And then you have this other parallel track where they are either rehabilitating characters or reintroducing characters that potentially have been gone. They're, they're That's going to happen with Sasha and Naomi. It's happened with Karen Cross. Um, it's happened to in a, in a sort of a way with Kevin Owens, who got a reboot for his character, et, et cetera. And I think that this is one thing about that track is that that to me is the track that leads to sort of the short term booking around how they're going to use Roman Reigns. Because if you reintroduce, if you present someone as like, this is, this is, you know, the new and improved so-and-so, or this is so-and-so you haven't seen in a long time then it's exciting incredible and you see somebody who's like oh maybe this guy can you know maybe he's the one who's gonna you know potentially end this in this title reign or whatever and so getting back to the, to your question I, to me this is that is custom made for a bray wyatt return and i would even go a step further and say 
I would not be shocked. This is sort of an out there theory, but but I would not be shocked if one of the things that we see in the coming months is the return of Bray Wyatt, the reformation of some version of a Wyatt family type group, and then the main event of Survivor Series is a war game war games match between that group and the Bloodline, where inevitably Sami Zayn, you know, is the one who takes the pinfall and that he's kicked out of the group, et cetera, et cetera. But, but I think, so here's big picture. Last point, big picture issue that WWE is dealing with booking wise right now is they obviously want to keep the title on Roman, which I think is the right call. But if you have both world men's world titles on one person that really kind of paints you into a corner, as we've talked about before with how you can book long-term. So, so how do you, how do you get around that? What do you do? Well, they figured out a way in Cardiff to say like, we're not just going to have Roman win, especially in front of this semi hometown crowd for, for Drew, we're going to introduce a new member of the bloodline, Solo Sokoa. And I think that how you get around this in Survivor Series is you have a, him in a war games match where the title's not on the line, obviously. And he, you know, they can lose, he, he can lose. And, and now it's interesting. And now it's like, well, is Bray going to be the guy, you know, maybe that's the title match at the Royal Rumble, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I think that that Triple H is using that sort of parallel track to have guys like Cross and maybe Kevin Owens and maybe Bray Wyatt or whoever to become these credible threats through rehabilitating and reintroducing characters in a way that somebody like I don't know, Matt Riddle or somebody like that, or even somebody like Seth Rollins, where he loses three times in a row to Cody. It's really tough to sort of present him as, him as somebody who's like, oh, he's going to he's gonna beat Roman. Or, or you know, the only thing with Drew was like, there's a chance, you know, a, a 1% chance he might win because they are in the UK. But realistically, you knew Roman probably wins there. And I think this is, this is how you, the workaround for that long-term booking issue. I got it. Let me pose this question. If they're doing this on at live events and they're doing it in commercial breaks, knowing that this will catch on via social media and then the QR code, if this ends up being Bray Wyatt, is he already signed to the company either maybe even with like a handshake deal or can they, or would they be doing this without a hundred percent having something locked up with him? Do you think something's locked up with Bray already? I would think so. Yeah, I mean, I think the way the WWE does business now, yes. I think the the WWE of, you know, even six or eight years ago, you, you all may recall that they were doing these promos sort of leading up to WrestleMania that were highly suggestive of Sting coming, and they didn't work out a deal. So they're just like, ah, we'll just make it The Undertaker. And so do you remember those promos? It was like black and white, and you would see like little glimpses. Yeah, I, do. I don't I don't think the WWE of today, the publicly traded, you know, Nick Khan, WWE, I don't think Triple H, WWE, I don't think they would do that. So. so you think Bray, if it ends up being Bray, he's under some sort of they know he's going to they're already they're going to bring him back. So why hasn't that been more, you know, why hasn't a source leaked that? You're, you, we hear everything from your Fightfuls and your Wrestling Inks. And, you know, it makes me think, you know, A, which is definitely possible, they're playing this really close to the vest, like maybe no sources even know, because this will this is the biggest return they're going to have in years. It's the most instant return. Or do the, do the dirt sheets know because they're in bed with the companies 
Dave, I semi agreed. We're not going to drop it until 16 hours beforehand or something like that. No, this would be such clickbait that if they knew, I think they would tell people. I mean, to me, this is a little bit like John Moxley showing up in AEW where like there were rumors, but people didn't really know. In fact, people were sure he wasn't going to show up because they were like, oh, he has to be somewhere else. Okay. Um, you know, when you mentioned that Bray Wyatt could be the guy, I started thinking about they really I really thought it was Drew's time to win. I think I don't think Roman would have lost anything in terms of like being a big star. And I think they would have built Drew up even more. That being said, I don't see Kevin Owens being a legitimate sort of challenger to do. Like the, the question is, who dethrones Roman? I don't see it being Kevin Owens. I don't see it being Matt Riddle. Maybe Karrion. I honestly don't even see that. Um, maybe Cody, and maybe Cody was the plan, right? Yeah. Uh, but that I think Bray. I think mm -hmm. Bray could do it. I think Bray's the guy you bring back, and he could be a huge star. I and mean, he is already a huge star. So. Yeah. The main the main points among people whose opinions have been given out there is you know white rabbit carrying cross went under the white rabbit character when he was in the lucha underground hmm. so if you hear that you're like well god why is it why is, it's it's carrying cross but why are they repackaging him he's already out there that didn't make sense the hangman logo was written in the sort of font style that bray wyatt used okay um have, have either of y'all actually seen the seen the cute the little graphic of the rabbit playing hangman i don't think have, so you haven't seen it okay so the qr code opens up it says who killed the world in that kind of bray wyatt script a little pencil hangman is drawn you know okay. yeah, a, ga a, a gallo all the letters then a little yeah. white rabbit is bouncing around the letters selecting them and as he gets right and wrong answers correct not incorrect it spells out a two-word reply which is you did that's the answer to the question who killed the world you did it when people who have looked into this further they've seen the let the first six letters the rabbit selected spelled out demon d-e-m-o-n so and then there were a couple letters then the next letter after demon was x and then there was two oh. or three other letters so chosen could, so could it be a finn balor thing so that so could it be a Finn Balor? Could could the Judgment Day really start taking a dark turn, darker turn with Finn Balor? The Demon X, Finn Balor wears X on his tights. Mm -hmm. So there's a handful of people who are convinced it could be Finn Balor. It there you have your carrying cross camp, and then for obvious reasons you have the Bray the Bray Wyatt speculation. This is if my take is. If they've brought Bray Wyatt back and the dirt sheets can't get a source to confirm it and the sources are saying, man, they're being like, I think it's Bray, but like we're not getting anything. That is in incredibly, then this is really going to be a hit. It's really creative. Triple H has said before, Bray Wyatt's one of the most creative people he's ever worked with, almost yeah. like maniacally creative. This so far has been maniacally creative. A few months ago, Bray tweeted out like a legitimate, he was like not in character, he's really, he's not really in character on Twitter, but he tweeted out, hey, can anyone hook me up and help me find directions to Devil's Hole? Devil's Hole is like a place in Arkansas. So the person who like, that he, I guess, retweeted, who gave him um, the insight on Devil's Hole, Arkansas, that guy's administrator handle name was White Rabbit. 
Man, you are really. Do you have like a bulletin board? You went to It's that Charlie Day, you know, yeah. gif. Yeah. Right. Now this this isn't all my deductions. A lot of this have have been reported by other people on Twitter. To, but, to go back to the to go back to the question about like why haven't the dirt sheets report if it is Bray Wyatt and I don't know I mean it very well might not be I just I think like a lot of people it's sort of wishful thinking I would love to see him back because he is so incredibly creative and that's you know quick sidebar when they released him that's really when I started being a little more negative about WWE's creative direction overall because my thing was like if you can't figure out what to do with that guy or like to, to like do something with his ideas, that's a, that's a huge red flag. I mean, don't forget the fiend lost to Goldberg. Yeah, that was a bad decision, but, that, but yeah. that, that's like, okay, one bad booking decision when you're in. And that was losing to Randy Orton. Wasn't it? You what? Yeah. He the WrestleMania. One. Yeah. The WrestleMania, Both that times. whole thing. That was, that was bad. Like that they was had the built worst. him up, right? And then Randy betrayed him. Yeah. And I thought, oh, right. this is how they really put Bray over. Because that was my favorite Bray Wyatt, which was cult leader Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. And then after he lost, he turned into like homeless magician Bray Wyatt that just <laughs> ranted and raved. And then after that, he became the fiend, which was kind of cool. But yeah. Just couldn't get so, Randy so here, so here was my question. Um, and I, I this is a genuine question because I don't, I as I said before, I intentionally do not pay as much attention to the dirt sheets for things that are going to be like spoilery or did we know? Cause I didn't, did we know like the night that Johnny Gargano came back? Did we know ahead of time from the dirt sheets that he was debut? He was re-debuting that night because if not to me, it's like kind of a similar situation. Like I don't follow. I mean, I don't even have, I'm not, I don't even follow things like fightful on my Twitter feed. I think wrestling yeah. Inc. I do, but enough people I follow retweet it that I get to, I see it in my mentions. Right. I don't remember seeing Johnny Gargano. I don't remember seeing Karrion Cross either. Yeah, no, good point. I mean, but both of those guys, like, again, I, I definitely didn't know, but also I'm not like super locked into the dirt mm-hmm. sheet stuff. Um, so, so that, that would be kind of my point is if those were, kind of kept if they were able to keep those under wraps and both of those have been since triple h was in there so he's sort of running how that operates maybe he has a little tighter control over leaks or whatever i mean this would be a bigger uh, like ali said this this would be a bigger sort of clickbait thing that would be harder to resist but it's at least plausible that they could maybe keep it under wraps. So, so Dirt Cheats are saying they had Johnny wrestling John Gargano in town that day. Um, so, you know, I guess the only reason I'm going to land, end up landing on Bray Wyatt is because if this is being pulled off as creative as it appears to be, and they're keeping it under wraps, that it's too big for a turn in Karrion Cross's character. It's too big for a Finn even. It's too big. It's certainly too big for a Joe Gacy main main roster debut which would be cool because he's a dark character also but like this is almost so good and has so many people in a frenzy that they've either completely botched it for just a finn bow or small turn or they're about they're about to deliver what kind of everyone wants and i you know that's why i kind of at the end of the day maybe the white rabbit you know maybe it's they're giving some teases of carrying to throw people off who knows carrying himself has said it's not him now who knows what sort of character he was in when he said that you never can believe anything but out for all the reasons you all have already identified i would be shocked if it's carrying across 
podcast just because he's redebuted. It's gone really well. Um, it wouldn't make sense to kind of change course right now, especially when he seems to be in a program with, with Drew. Uh, one final thought. The other reason for why they potentially haven't put this on TV yet, and of course that could change Friday night, is that that does create at least the possibility that they haven't fully decided like there's some element of it that they haven't they're still mm-hmm. talking about what like where's this going to go who is involved etc so that that's also a possibility i love it i love that we went 28 minutes on it. it's the biggest thing in wrestling right now i mean certainly from the weekend that's what everyone on social media is talking about casual fans of the of the tv show might not even know about it except they might not even notice that qr code but to, to satisfy them let's get into um smackdown and raw from the week um the other sort of biggest news in wwe is the match that was announced for crown jewel and a little clip package opened the show friday night um it's been announced crown jewel saudi arabia roman reigns is going to take on a youtube star his name's like logan paul i don't really know who he is i'm not sure how popular he really is but like yeah that's going to happen we know from watching since WrestleMania or SummerSlam was WrestleMania Bad Bunny or Logan Paul can go. He yeah. is an a, he is an athlete. He's been like legit signed by the company. Um, who knows because of all his other endeavors, like if he'll be sort of in and out on like pay per views or whatever. I don't see him traveling, you know, to from town to town and doing live shows. But good move, weird move. It, is it for what do you what do you think, Tom, about um? about Logan Paul and Roman Reigns squaring off in Saudi Arabia. I think people like us have reasons why we don't like it. Mm-hmm. But from a business standpoint, it makes sense. He, yeah. he has so many eyeballs on him. I mean, the numbers that his YouTube channel gets are like, you do a double take because you can't believe that somebody is that sort of popular on that on that platform. I mean, it it makes complete sense. It also makes complete sense that it's gonna be that the that that's gonna be a Saudi Arabia match because that is sort of a the Saudi Arabia stuff, except when they do a title like a Goldberg title change with uh, the Fiend. Um, that is analogous in my mind to like the Treehouse of Horror episodes of The Simpsons, where it's like, yeah, it's part of the show, but it's sort of this own its own little universe. Type thing. It's 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 not it's non-canon. I saw yeah, someone just kind, describe kind it is. as yeah, it's, it's kind of is. They but they have had title changes, which makes it sort of canon. But yeah, right, exactly. It, it is the, it is the kind of show I think you feature this match. Exactly. I think I think from again, maybe not my cup of tea, but I can't argue with the business aspect of it. I think where they're doing it makes perfect sense. Um, the the biggest issue I have with it is that they keep insisting on trying to present him as a Paul as a face, which is nonsense. He's a natural heel. They put him in a few with Miz to try to make him a face. And that kind of works because Miz is obviously a huge natural heel. Um, but like putting him in a feud with, with Roman, it just, it's not going to work, but it does make sense. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Ali, what do you think? Yeah. I, I don't watch Logan Paul's videos, but my man gets like 4 million views on like a, a low that's a low view count for him. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. has videos that have 20 million views. So it's kind of insane. But I think he's tailor-made for sports entertainment. You know, he's a big guy. He's an athletic guy. He's got a great look. He's got a great personality. He he definitely has a lot of charisma. And he's comfortable as this persona, right? He's already created a gimmick. Like, honestly, he's basically, I think of YouTube stars as like wrestling personas anyway, right? You got to put out this persona. 
I'm confused by the heel thing because, um, you know, obviously Roman is technically heel, but the way he's built up, like he's cool. He looks like a badass. He's got a great look. Um, and against Logan Paul, it's just so confusing. It feels very Vince McMahon. It really kind of threw me, but maybe there's a slow turn coming. This is a perfect time to turn Roman Reigns' face. You know, like do a slow face turn for him where then he can lose the title and then go back on the chase, right? Logan Paul is such a great heel, and I would love for him. It feels a little early to be in the title picture for him. I'm like, what is he? And I've never liked The Miz. So, you know, that didn't help put him over for me. Yeah, I see this. I see this less as a title picture and more of just like a showcase, you know, about. But yeah, you guys have you guys have sort of hit all the points on that. I think it's a brilliant move for what it is. Um, it's going to entertain. It's going to entertain Saudi Arabia. I'm sure, which is a very in the past has been a very pro Roman crowd. So Logan Paul, you know, might be is probably going to be the heel. But they're going to boo the crap in. out of Logan. Absolutely. Roman so, even looks part Saudi. Like he's got the skin tone <laughs> and everything. Like they love him. Yeah, that's gonna it's it's a it's a good move. Like I I expect Triple H to pull moves like this. Um, who knows if Vince was gonna do it, but you know that's not anyone's concern anymore. So that was cool. Uh, first match of the evening, they got right off to it. Ricochet and Sami Zayn, two guys I know all three of us love. Um, there was some Madcap Moss was inserted in the end, um, but um, you know I, personally I don't kind of want to see Sami wrestle. I just want to see him like. Perform performing with the Usos, dancing, um, yeah, dancing, showing up. Jay Uso, yeah, I want that to be the like the, the slow burn, long term storyline. But yeah, those two guys were great. Um, after that, there was a carrying cross promo. You know, it's it's decent. It wasn't great, you know, but he's he's out there. I, I like carrying cross a lot. Um, he was like one of the more sought after free agents when they brought him to NXT. And they just sort of dropped them. And then he was a great, he had a great NXT run. A lot of people say that Adam Cole destroyed Karrion uh, Cross in one promo uh, before their match at one of the takeovers. Um, but when he made never no, when he went to the main roster, he it was terrible. And I'm glad he was released almost. Um, he's being brought back under the right um, leadership, I think, to excel. Whether or not he's the White Rabbit or not, I think he's going to have a legitimate feuds with. Hopefully your Bray Wyatt's, your Cody Rhodes's, your Kevin Owens. Those would be great. He can go with all of them. All right. Then um, to, uh, Tom's co-workers, the Maximum Male Models, um, it, it came out, debuted their back-to-school wear, only to have Braun Strowman come out, destroy them. Alpha Academy came back. He ran through them. What are they doing with Bray? I'm not – I don't I don't get it. I don't – You mean Braun? Yeah. Braun. That's Braun. A, yeah, sorry. I don't know Braun. why this is going on for a second week in a row. I don't understand why he's why pay him what is probably a lot of money to do this. Like I like the first week, but like put him in a feud. I wouldn't mind him and um what's his name? The big dude that used to be uh who's now in Alpha Academy. What's his name? Otis. 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 That would be a fun feud. You know, yeah, some, they're, some they're, I think they're gonna have that like probably yeah. next week or so. Yeah, I think I, just I think, think that's be, already been set up. They're wrestling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that would this be, which isn't Bray isn't Braun Strowman's strong suit? Like, but I think it could be fun. We'll see where it goes. Uh, real quick, jumping back, I do want to quickly say, I always thought of Sammy as this comedy character that they just shoehorned into the the. But I love. I feel like there's a little bit of a story there. Like, I don't know if oh, you guys thought it, but like, oh, you know, like him and Solo, and then he did. There were several times when he, you know, beat Ricochet, 
or could have beat Ricochet, right? And there's a little bit of that. I'm like, I love that there's a storyline beneath the storyline. And I would love, one, I would love Ricochet to get some rehab and be, you know, a serious contender again. He's awesome. But I've always thought Sammy is gold. And like, I would love to see a slow face turn for Sammy. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's going to happen. I think Agreed. I think this cuz this is ultimately going to cul- culminate in Sammy and KO taking the titles off the Usos. Yeah. Or or at least teaming up in some capacity. I agree with that. Yeah, and that's the way it should go. Um Tom, speak about your your maximum male model friends. What 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 are they doing? They're just fodder well, at this point. Yeah, I mean they they are fodder and that's that's okay. I think the thing that happened on SmackDown that'll be interesting to see if it's just like a little tease and a throwaway thing or it's something that's going to actually change direction character wise for Max Dupree is when they were in Anaheim, he referenced the fact that they were just a stone's throw away from LA. And when he said LA, it was like, there was this mode of recognition, of course, his old character, LA Knight in NXT. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that's, if that's just like a wink to the crowd and that'll be the end of it because they were near LA or if that's going to be where this goes. I think, you know, Maximum male models to me is, and people may disagree, but it's, it's right in my wheelhouse. And that's, that to me is like good vents. Like that's, and now, but now that he's gone, it's like, are they going to continue to commit to it? Or are they just going to be jobbers for a while and then just break up? Um, I thought it had a lot of potential when it debuted. I still believe in it, but I don't, you know, if they're, if, if they're just going to be fodder, uh, I think I think that that's probably going to be they'll do that for a few months as sort of the tag teams that are putting people over like Hit Row and and uh, others and then that'll be that. So yeah, uh, we got a comment here. La Knight's coming back his second week in a row with that reference. Yeah, so it might might not have just been a nod to the LA crowd. They might be teasing something here. Um, the second match of SmackDown, uh, Solo Sokoa defended his new uh, North American title against Madcap Moss. They're pushing Madcap Moss. They're pushing Sokoa. Um, I got nothing against either of those two. They look great. I uh, hate, hated to see Carmelo Hayes drop the North American title, but I get why they did it. So the bloodline, you know, just has another piece of gold. They've all, they're all walking to the ring carrying one. Um, you guys have any thoughts on that or do you want to move on? On either Madcap Moss or Sokoa. I, I love what they're doing with Sokoa. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's really uh, freshened up that storyline and it needed it at this point because it's been going on so long and I, I think I really like what they're doing with the bloodline. Yeah, I like how they're giving Sokoa some personality right away. He's not just a third stooge. Yeah. So I'm here for it. Cool. On SmackDown, they did have a number one contenders match for the World Tag Team title. It was Hit Row, The New Day, Imperium, and The Brutes. Imperium and The Brutes have been going at it for weeks now. I like it. Bring me, bring me as much of it as you want. Um, the Brutes ended up going over, and they're, I guess, the number one um, contenders. Cool. I'd have been cool with Imperium, but the Brutes are also um, great. What I took from this match, it was sort of breaking news to me. I hadn't seen it, um, that one of the Viking Raiders, Eric, is dealing with yet another injury, and his timetable is you know, going to be down the road. So... Bad luck for those guys. You know, one of them, they were out for a while. They came back. They were clearly being pushed. They had this Viking match with a new day and it bit them in the ass that one of them got hurt, Um, which is a shame, but you know, there are, there are plenty of tag teams right now um, that will be able to contend for that sort of maybe rotating tag team title. Um, Are y'all good with the brutes or would you rather see Imperium or another tag team 
um, challenge challenge the Usos, who are not going to drop the titles to right. this challenger. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like all the teams that were involved. Um, I think I was surprised the Brutes won, but they needed a now that they've turned face, they needed a face team to go up against the Usos. So it makes sense. Yeah, I was also surprised that the Brutes won. I really felt like they were building up Imperium, and I. It didn't seem weird to me that Imperium would take the tag titles off of them. You know, they're really trying to build them up. But yeah, I was surprised, but I'm open to seeing more. I, I, I mean, I'm not super into Butch or, you know, whatever he used to be called, but I'm open to it. Are the Brutes a face? Is that what, is that what it is? I guess yeah, so. I, I think they had to turn. I mean, because of what happened in Cardiff, they, you know, they de facto turned face. So, yeah. You talk about Sheamus is just like. Yeah, I mean, Sheamus, is, Sheamus mm -hmm. turned face. Mm -hmm. And so by extension, they sort of are de facto faces now. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, so that was SmackDown Friday night. You know, it was, I, I kind of walked away thinking, okay, you got some things going on. But, you know, the real action was kind of over the weekend when all these reports of the White Rabbit came out. Um, and then Raw last night. So Raw emanated from San Jose, California. WWE is doing this long West Coast run. I like it. It reminds me of uh, when my favorite band fish announces their summer tours and you see all these West coast dates. You're like, ah, shit. Okay. I'm not going to see them for a while. And sometimes they do a lot of, they do mostly East coast dates. It feels like WWE is a, I forget sometimes they got to go to Seattle and Tacoma and Kansas city. And, you know, I just, you expect them in, you know, Albany and New York and Baltimore and all those places. All right. Syracuse. Syracuse for sure. So raw last night, one thing that raw has been doing, I think I've noticed more is like, I don't know if they're doing this because the other company in Jacksonville does this too, but they've started a few shows with like two guys in the ring ready to go. Like that might just be a little tweak strategy that maybe Triple H prefers and has nothing to do with AEW at all, but I kind of dig it. And the two that were in the ring, they got right after it. It was the U.S. title match, Lashley and Rollins. These guys went, I think like three segments. It was great. In the end, Lashley picked up the win. There was a little bit of interference from Riddle. I thought the Rollins-Riddle feud was sort of done after Rollins stomped him for a couple of times, but I guess not. Um, I was thinking that Rollins was actually going to snatch this title last night, but it didn't happen. Um, Tom, what do you think? A couple thoughts. One is I think combination of two things are happening with Raw that have kind of affected it. Number one, and this happens every year, I don't know if, if you all kind of picked up on this, but I'm a huge football fan. So I noticed once football season starts, the way that raw is structured changes because they try to pack as much in as they can early before pre kickoff. So that, so they will start with, for example, start with the title match right off the bat guys in the ring, whatever. And then they will have some big segment or some big moment that's going to coincide with halftime. So people flip over or whatever. Okay, so that's part of it. The other part is, of course, the Triple H influence. And I think tri what Triple H has figured out is, like, three hours is way too long for a weekly TV show that's, a, that's just a regular show and not a pay-per-view. And his solution, which I think is a fine one, is, like, let's give these, let's give these people three segments. Let's, give the, you know, let's have matches that go on longer. And, and they've done that to some extent on SmackDown, too. The thing that's going on right now with Bobby Lashley that I think is would probably be a little concerning if I were – is I do Bobby with Vince was a huge Bobby guy and Bobby was a Vince guy. And I'm not saying triple H is not, but the thing that's interesting about the way that they're working with Bobby right now is 
He's still the U.S. champ, but he's not in any storylines. He's like a guy who is tangentially connected to somebody else's storyline. So they so they put him in a match with somebody, and you know, good match. Seth Rollins, fine, but he's only sort of there to further indirectly further the the Rollins uh, Matt Riddle stuff, mm-hmm. and and that's that's the weird part is that if you look at like what they're doing with the Intercontinental title. Gunther is, you know, Imperium's back together. Gunther is on TV just about every week. There's stuff going on. I don't get that feeling with Bobby Lashley, which is doubly weird because he has really gotten over as a face. And I just, they got to figure something out quick before he sort of loses his momentum. Hmm. Ali? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. And I, I don't watch football. So when, when I tuned in and I saw this, I immediately thought of AW because I'm like, Lashley and Rollins, like these are top guys, and I was excited to see it because I hate long, boring promos in the beginning. <laughs> um, I loved this match, but you're right. As I was watching it, I couldn't help but think that, like, I would, I loved Lashley as a heel champion, but he has still got so much. Like he's over, yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you could, he should be in the title picture again. Like this is a little bit of a waste. Although he's doing a great job with the U.S. title, it feels like a big deal because he's involved with it. He looks like a star. He acts like a star. He's got great um a move set that really complements that gimmick so i, I don't think it's going to happen because i think maybe maybe lashley's a little too old to be the guy that takes out roman reigns but i think that could still be a huge match yeah yeah i agree i think you know i think to tom's point like you take the belt off lashley it's not going to be easy to insert him into something else that's important unless you know, are you going to have him win the Royal Rumble? Probably not. You know, are you, you know, there's good. Like I've, I've said this for a few weeks now. There's going to be a draft at some point. I think so. I think some point too, unless they scrap those plans, but I don't think so. So I could see Lashley dropping a title, moving over to SmackDown. Him and Gunter would be great. I'd love to see that too. You know, that sort of thing happens. And they might do that too. All right, let's move on. The newly crowned women's tag team champions, Damage Control, came out for their celebration. Um, they were, you know, every time now that Bailey comes out and those, they came out with the belts, everyone thinks we're going to see the return of Sasha and Naomi, Naomi, which everyone rightfully so wants to see it. I want to see it. I think like maybe, maybe the return of Bray Wyatt. They're saving that for something big. The, you know, the end of a pay-per-view makes the most sense. They recently announced that the show, the Raw that's going to be in Brooklyn next month, they're touting that as a season premiere. So that could be a night that Sasha and Naomi return or somebody else. I kind of hope it's Sasha and Naomi that night because best friend of the show, Victor Perry from the wrestling club up in New York, our teacher, he has secured tickets to that show. He's taken like 20 of the kids in the wrestling club. And Sasha was the one who went and appeared at his classroom. So for our buddy, Victor, I hope they make the return that night on the season premiere, but they were interrupted by uh, this newly formed sort of faction of Oscar, Alexa bliss and the women's champion, Bianca Belair, who have been, going back and forth with them ever since like clash of the uh, clash of the castle um last night what did i write about it yeah so we saw we saw bliss go over bailey in the main event last night or bailey go over bliss sorry um but there i think there's gonna be they're advertising something 
And at the end, obviously, Bailey announced her intentions to take the title off um, off Bianca yeah. at Extreme Rules. Do we see Bailey and Asuka as placeholders until Sasha and Bailey? Are they credible challenges for that title? Or is Damage Control going to hold on to that title through WrestleMania or to WrestleMania? Either one of y'all. What do you think? What's the plan for these six women? I don't know that there is a plan. So I, I'm happy that Asuka is back. I mean, I've always enjoyed her, really enjoyed her in NXT. Uh, I, when I saw this, I couldn't help but just sort of be taken back and think about when Bailey first came up from NXT, and I was a huge Bailey Mark. She was a huge face, such natural babyface charisma, and they ruined her to put over Alexa Bliss, which I guess is fine, right? She was in that feud with Alexa Bliss and just came off like a dork and someone who could never win, and then they that ruined Bailey, and they had to turn her heel. And to my shock, she's been an amazing heel. She's so much fun. So. This that that's all I could think of here. I'm like, ah, oh, here's Alexa Bliss again here to ruin Bailey. But uh it didn't feel like a placeholder feud to me. It just felt like they were trying their best to put people together and rehabilitate some people. I'm open to it. I have no idea where it's going. Um, that's all I got. I think one of the few missteps that uh Triple H has made from a booking standpoint since he took over was not having damage control just win the tournament. Like that was Especially now, I mean, it just it just seems so random that they that they did that. I, right. I don't get it. I thought they I were think trying it, to build a new team, but then they right. took the titles off them right away. It's like a waste. Right. So so my yeah, exactly, and that, that's that's a great point. So my thing is like, if if you have a plan and you're like, no no no, no. we want um, you know Raquel and uh, Aaliyah to win these titles, and we're gonna you know because th- with the titles they are gonna be built up into a you know, a, a, a real legit team for a while. It's like, that's fine. But it seemed like after, right after they won, it was like, even WWE was like, uh, this was a mistake. We should just have damage control win. And then quickly they dropped the titles. So that was weird. I think that, so the thing about all the people we just talked about, obviously Bianca, they have, you know, a ton of faith in a lot of plans, all that. I, I also think with, damage control in terms of the tag titles they also are now committed to that and that makes perfect sense bringing you know two people up from nxt or former nxt folks and that all makes perfect sense the interesting thing about bailey to me i agree with ali that she has done a really good job as a heel and she's a fine heel but she was special as a face and i really i have never seen anybody i might have said this before at some point in the past I have never seen anybody who was as over with little kids as Bailey was when she was a face. I went yeah. to a live event up here when she was still a face and I could, I could not believe it. I mean, you like all these, especially little girls, of course, like they were like, she was their hero. Like but no she was cool for everybody. Like I was right. in my mid thirties back then. And I remember showing my wife her entrance. I was like, babe, you got to see this entrance. It's so yeah. much fun. And my wife was like, you mean that little girl? Yeah. Like, She's <laughs> So, so my, my thing is like, like, again, to, to use this, you know, a sports metaphor, like, could Michael Jordan have been a good point guard in the NBA? Of course, of course, best player ever, but you want him playing too, because he's the greatest of all time. And, and so my thing is like, yeah, Bailey's a really good heel, but man, I mean, you, you're talking about a generational uh, baby face who gets over with, with younger 
people and I just it ruined her. It was so odd. I, I don't get it. And then meanwhile, Alexa Bliss, who was a fantastic heel as like the sort of the bratty cheerleader type, it's like right. that's who she should be. And then now it's like she's just this sort of vague yeah. face. I don't understand like, what her character is and like, why what she's is, there. Right. What is she? What is she? I like, think she's is, she's like an amalgamation of like every character she's ever played up to this that's point. That's exactly right. She's she's still carrying the doll. She's got the the Harley Quinn ponytails. Yeah. Um she, she's like a character stew, just of like these little components of other things just kind of all mixed together. It's like she's talented. No question, she's very talented. But and she they built I think her you, up. But now they're wasting her. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. You gotta put people in position to, to be successful. And I just don't I feel like with both Asuka and Alexa Bliss, they're like, look, we know how talented these these folks are. We need to put them in something, but they're just kind of placeholders for now. I hope that they have more sort of plans for how to, you know, they, they're doing a job re rehabilitating a lot of characters. I hope they do the same for the two of them. But anyway. Just, just real quick, I, I don't don't go too deep into this, but of those four horsewomen, Charlotte, Bailey, Sasha, so Becky... Yeah, of those four, where did you slot Bailey? I mean, I think Charlotte just, I would say she's the most talented um, of all of them, which is saying a lot because they're all fantastic. I think Bailey might have been, I always saw her as like, she's the best probably wrestler of the, of the group. And she, again, had that special connection with, with kids. Um, it's so funny because I probably would have, slotted Becky fourth and she wound up as like as the, the most over talent in the whole company, yeah, you know, yeah. for a while there. So it's, yeah, they're all, I they're would, all great, but yeah. I mean, I sort of had Charlotte, I mean, maybe Ali, I think you're with me, Sasha. I mean, Charlotte, Sasha, Bailey, Becky. That's probably that's, right. Yeah. That's the where person I was most was. excited to watch was Charlotte. was sorry. Uh, was actually Bailey. Cause I loved her gimmick. I loved her entrance, but I've said this many times. Charlotte is the reason I started watching wrestling again. I was just flipping through YouTube. And I'm like, let me just see what WWE looks like now. And I saw Charlotte do one of her top rope corkscrew moonsaults. And I was like, what is going on? Yeah. Um, she's incredible. But yeah, yeah to, to your point about Bailey being so over with younger kids, Charlotte and her pedigree and what she brings to the table, Becky with sort of what, f you know, for fortuitous what happened to her, you know, getting her nose busted open, standing in defiance, that made her one of the biggest female stars of all time. It's almost like Sasha hasn't almost, almost hasn't had that moment, but like you think about it, she might've been the most over than any of them at some point. So the four of them have been just, you know, because uh, what we got to say, so Charlotte, Sasha, Bailey, Becky. Yeah. That's what we said. Um, yeah. Mark's, Mark's in agreement with us on that. So yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff going on with the women right now. Um, last thing I want to talk about in the last few minutes is the current storyline with judgment day and the Mysterios, I am not sort of liking any of this. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like, it's entertaining. Um, Becky, I mean, Becky, I'm already talking about the women again, sorry. Rhea, um, Rhea is my favorite of all of them. Right. I, I, I think she's fantastic. She's putting her all into it. Every oh. glance, every look, every every bit she can squeeze in there, she's doing a great job. The way she's schmoozing up to Dom, and you know, and Dom's calling her mommy. It's it's fantastic, but it all I mean, it this all starts, seems like a Vince storyline. This sounds like a Vince storyline, you know, with the you know, there's family strife. Dom, they've had this storyline before. He's gotta call her mommy, pal. <laughs> That's good shit. 
anyway, yeah. Um, are you liking Judgment Day? Are you ready to see them kind of go somewhere else? Do you want to see them go even darker? What's what's in, what's the future for these guys? Is it going to be a blow off at Edge Extreme Rules and something else happens? What are we doing here, Tom? I, yeah, I mean, I I was kind of ready to write them off until they pulled the trigger on the on the Dom heel turn, and now mm -hmm. I'm kind of back in. I think okay. that what's really interesting about that crowd on Monday night, when Dom got the mic, they went crazy. They had been waited waited weeks to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so I'm like, look, it, to a certain extent, you just have to listen to the crowd, and if that's the reactions they're going to get, especially when they're on the West Coast and kind of in you know Rey Mysterio country, then I'm like, you got to roll with it. I, mm -hmm. I I think he's he's still of course, pretty doggone green in a lot of respects. I mean, he doesn't have the command of the mic that, you know, that Rhea Ripley has, for example. Um, but I, I do, th I think that there is certainly something there. And I think that they can, they can ride with this now for a while and it can be a long-term storyline. And, you know, they, they were sort of headed down the road of being, I mean, not quite at the maximum models level, but down the road of just being like, a, a, a team of or a group of semi-big or big stars that put other people over, and now I think they've pulled themselves back from that, which is which is good for the long-term, you know, health of of the raw roster. I think. Yeah, there's still some things they're gonna do. They still need to finish this with Edge. Um, Ali, I want to ask you, um, sort of towards the end last night, Finn and his old Bullet Club friend AJ. Um, reappeared. AJ, I was almost starting to ask, like, where's AJ been? Is he hurt? Is he on break? He was backstage. He got right in Finn's face. There was a Bullet Club moment that didn't, that was rebuffed by AJ. Uh, that that would appear to be, they're, they're becoming like, they're going after these legends. You know, Edge, now AJ. Um, I don't want to see Finn Balor fight Goldberg. I hope that doesn't happen. Um, so, uh, Ali, are you excited about Finn and AJ uh, possibly I'll going watch AJ against each higher. other? Mm -hmm. He's so much fun. Yeah. I love. He was when the last time I went to a WWE match. I mean, a WWE show was SmackDown here in Richmond. That was years ago, and I only went to see AJ Styles. But yeah, very excited to see him and Finn together. I know that any storytelling they do in the ring is going to be awesome. I'm not into Dom, but I'm open to Rhea and Damian Priest and the others. So I'm mm -hmm. open to seeing where they go. But I, I am just like yeah, like Tom said, he's a little too green for me. I'm not really into his whole gimmick. The heel turn, I wonder how much of that is real earned heat and how much of that is like go away heat. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, it's thing I like, I like, I love Finn Bauer. I think he's awesome. I've yeah. always loved him when he was, when he was Prince Devitt, you know, I was when I first discovered him. If he's the leader, I was, it threw me for a loop when they turned on Edge and brought Finn in to be the leader of Judgment Day. Why that didn't come with the demon character. Like, I don't understand. Like, that seems like the right faction for this demon character. If this white rabbit somehow is the demon Finn Bauer, you didn't need it. You could just bring you bring Finn and the and the the paint. That's all you need for him. Um, so like, that's that's my one thing I'd say about Judgment Day. Um, and that kind of brought us to close Raw. The next few weeks of WWE are going to be very very exciting. WWE is on an upswing. So, you know, it's exciting. Right before we go, last thing, I'm going to throw out just a random question. Tom, have you ever been to a pro wrestling event where something like 
a, like either a pay-per-view or like what's the biggest thing? Have you been there for like a historic moment? Have you ever seen a title change? Did you get any pay-per-views? I was, I, was at, I was at Survivor Series 2011 in Madison Square Garden. Nice, nice. Ali, you been to any like momentous events, anything important happened at any live events you've ever been to? No, they've all the ones I've been to were been here at the Coliseum, and I can't think of anything momentous happening except I remember when the last time I went to a SmackDown show here at the Coliseum, the biggest pop, including the pop for AJ, even bigger than that was the pop for Daniel Bryan, and that's when he wasn't even wrestling. Like wow. my man came out in his flannel, and the place blew up. He was wow. so over. In the wane in the waning weeks of WCW's history. They were in Richmond and we attended, it wasn't really historical, but it was important. We went to the, the Monday Nitro where Ric Flair had his head shaved by Vince Russo. Um, this is when like David Flair had turned on his dad and everything. And we, um, yeah, we watched Ric Flair get his head shaved. And then we saw him at the Jefferson bar afterwards <laughs> when, he, when he had like finished the head shave. I got a photo, yeah, I got a photo. Oh my yeah. God. Here you go. This is, on the look at the yeah, oh, nice. <laughs> a bald Ric Flair, like first time ever. Um, yeah, I was also at the Richmond Coliseum house show when Shawn Michaels passed out. Do y'all remember that? It was like a, it was in the early '90s when he I was going to say that was before I was watching. Okay, Richmond. it was early '90s. It's like when him and Razor Ramon, Diesel, like those days, like when he was feuding with Bret Hart. He had been like beaten up at a bar somewhere in New York. You ever heard that story? Yeah. yeah. The, the like eight Marines or something. Exactly. So yeah. This was after that. It was part of a storyline, but he like, he sort of work shoot fainted in the ring, laid motionless for like 20 minutes. I think it was, it, it might've been actually a raw. I mean, if you go, go to YouTube, that's my recommendation for the week, go to YouTube, Google uh, and, and, and type in search HBK passes out in the ring. Happened, in, happened in Richmond. Was remember he that? wrestling Owen Hart? He was wrestling Owen okay, Hart. Exactly. I vaguely remember yeah. so reading I, about this. Years I ago. was there for that. And actually, a, a fan who was a doctor approached ringside, and he's actually he's shown getting in the ring because he couldn't. It looked to him like it was real. He went in there and said, "Like I'm a doctor." His, actually, that doctor was an orthopedist in Richmond. He was my orthopedist. I found out later that he was the one who showed up. And if you watch the YouTube video, he gets in the ring. You see him as like Sean when he leans in, giving him the Iggy like, go with it, and he apparently stayed in character. So anyway, that's that was cool. Um, anyway, we're gonna talk wrestling, WWE wrestling every Tuesday on Wrestling Chat with Friends. Thank you for joining us, Tom, Ali. You guys, I hope you will join me most, if not every week, because y'all are the two that know the most about this um, crazy carny business that is the Fed. So we appreciate it. On the Thursday show, Megan always counts us out one, two, three. But on the Tuesday show, we're just going to submit. We're tapping out. <laughs> ring the bell. The match is over. Producer Cheats, if you're in the booth, we're going to count us out one, two, three. Guys, see you next Tuesday. Thanks so much. Peace.